appreciate that. Let's turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> And we're going to Melbourne tomorrow, so pray as we travel back, down and back there. <coughs> the journey's not the problem, it's once you get to Melbourne, <laughs> the traffic, and getting into those inner city places, finding a car park, all that. Pray for that. Um, <coughs> we're looking at this chapter. We've noticed the, that privileges bring responsibilities, and we introduced... Israel, and we did look at the context, the, the text itself, but we went back to other Old Testament references. Then last week, we looked at the advantages enjoyed by Israel, protected, planted, positioned, possessed, provisioned, and uh, the promised presence of the Lord. Now we look at the apostasy, from the advantages, advantages to the apostasy committed by Israel, verses 5 to 10, where we read, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not last after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them tempted him and were destroyed by serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them murmured and were destroyed by the destroyer. So there's four times that the word neither. This is an example for us. Don't do what they did. And so we have the apostasy, the going astray of the children of Israel. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these that live that way that we might not and that we might be warned of the consequences of going this way. When we know that your hand of blessing is upon us, we know that we receive salvation, we know of the promises for this life of provisions and needs met, we know of the wonderful future we have, and then we go astray. Our Lord, that we may... No one here tonight, listening in, be among that number. Lord, bless the word as it's shared, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the apostasy committed. First of all, we have they invoked God's indignation in verse 5. With many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Back in the book of Numbers, right back, Numbers, chapter 14. We see the account given and verse 26 and following in Numbers 14, we read, And the Lord spoke unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. And all who were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward who have murmured against me. So here we have this occasion. You can read right down to 40, the end of the chapter there. 
And uh, they didn't go up when they were at Kadesh Barnea when the spies come back. An evil report from Ten, a good report from Joshua and Caleb, and they refused to go up. They invoked God's indignation. This was God's will. They would, they'd been delivered miraculously from Egypt. They'd been delivered through the Red Sea. God had already provided some wonderful miracles in providing for them. And then when they went up and they come back with an evil report... God's indignation. Folks, we need to just believe God's word and do it. (laughs) And here they invoked God's judgment. We can also. How many of them died? And I keep emphasizing this because this is not a small thing. Well, it says there were 600,000 men beside women and children. So if there were 600,000 men, there were more than likely 600,000 women. And that equals 1.2 million of those that were old enough to be, what, 20 and above, and they would die. And, and that took how long? How long were they in the wilderness? 40. 40 years. You just do the sums on that. They had to remind them of their disobedience and God's indignation against their, dis, their, dis, their disobedience, 82 funerals a day. You say, no, it couldn't be that many. You, you multiply it out over 40 years. Maybe my, my, my um, calculator's wrong, but th- that place over there from Egypt where they were and all the zigzags they did around is littered with graves of Jewish people because of their disobedience. Because the people, not only the 10 rebels that said, we can't do it, they're too big, the giants are there. You know, oh, there's wonderful blessings up there, but we can't. But all the people sided with the ten. The majority must be always right, eh? (laughs) Not on this occasion. The majority were wrong. Do we invoke God's judgment? In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, and, and this is where we need to learn from their example, and in the New Testament, chapter 12 of Hebrews, we read in verses 1 and following, Wherefore, seeing ye also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us say, lay aside every weight. And the cloud of witnesses is Hebrews chapter 11, where the, the people of faith are listed and many more that aren't listed there. It said, we're beset with a great cloud of witnesses on every sign and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, lest we be like they. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, the Lord, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. He's talking to Christians now. The example was the Old Testament. Now he's saying, you Christians, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. That was still alive. And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Then he goes into a whole story that ends with where we were at in verse 15. There, the, the bitterness. Make straight paths for the feet, for your feet. Don't turn out of the way. Don't do what they did. What an example we have. <clears throat> you know, at time we might as we read through the Psalms and as we minister with people, 
feel like doing what the psalmist sometimes did and pray the prayers of judgment. Imprecatory prayers. Psalm 7, 35, 55, 58 and 69 are where the psalmist prayed these. And one of the most pointed one, and I've turned to it, is in Psalm 109. Listen to what the psalmist said. You know, people just, we just keep on going astray. And the psalm, David said, Hold not thy peace, O God, from my praise. For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They compass me about also with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. You think of David and him being chased around by Saul and his armor, his army. For my love they are adversaries, but I give myself unto prayer. And they have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. Set thou a wicked man over him. And let Satan stand at his right hand. Now he begins this prayer against those people that were treating David when he did right, they were doing him wrong. When he shall be judged, let him be condemned. And let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few. Let another take his office. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Kill, kill him. Let his children be continually wanderers, vagabonds. Let them seek their bread also out of their desolate places. Let the, the extortioner catch all that he hath, and let the stranger spoil his labour. Let there be none to extend mercy unto him. Neither, and, and it goes on and on. <laughs> Whoa, you know. Praise God, we live in the day of grace, <laughs> and the Lord is gracious. But here, David was praying this prayer against the enemies, and there's about another six, oh, about another ten lets. Let this happen, let this happen, let that happen against those that do not follow the Lord and fight against those that do, as it was with the ten spies and the two spies. They invoked God's indignation. We invite judgment from God when we do what is contrary to his will and his word. The second thing they did back there in 1 Corinthians 10 and in verse 6, the first part, now, these things were our examples. <laughs> these things were our examples, as we've just already mentioned. That is mentioned in Romans 15, verse 4. I think we read that this morning. For whatever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. We Christians have this as an example. They, they by their bad example, illuminate our pathway that we might not go where they went. <clears throat> Now, travelling back and forth to Melbourne, that they haven't got enough money to fix the potholes, apparently, or they haven't got enough men, or whatever. But if you're driving close up behind somebody, and you see them swerve quickly, if you don't do it, you go in it. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> you learn from their example. If they go through it, and you, you go through it, you follow a truckie. He particularly avoids the potholes because there's a lot of weight and uh, heavy heaviness can in their rigs and <clears throat> they illuminate the way best back off so you can see the potholes they're hard to see in a black dark night and black bitumen and it's raining but we can avoid the problems the potholes and in the pathway of life by looking at those that gone ahead in James chapter 1 verse 13 James 1 13 
Let no man say when he is tempted... What? I think I've... Yes, no, here we are. <laughs> 13. I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not error, my beloved brethren. And so... <clears throat> Don't be tempted, don't draw away, be drawn away by the lusts. And these people were. They lusted after evil things. They were guilty not only of invoking God's judgment um, and they illuminate our way, but they were guilty of infatuation with the world. Where does it tell us very plainly that we shouldn't be infatuated with the world love not the world neither the things that are in it if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him is it hard at times to resist this love of the world the the things that can provide it is there there's good things but don't set your heart upon these things Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Is there anything that is drawing your heart away, my heart away from God that comes between you and the Lord and you're loving it more than him? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. I pray that there is nothing that's drawing you away. They are drawn away by the lust. Don't let it happen. Don't go and do what they did, but do what the word tells us to do. So they were guilty of infatuation with the world. They lusted after this. They They were receiving the indignation of God and judgment Upon them, they were guilty of idolatry. In verse seven, it says, as we move on, "Neither be ye idolaters, as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play." Can you remember what happened in the wilderness when what the occasion was where this happened? Sat down to eat the golden calf. It was the golden calf in Exodus, in Exodus chapter thirty-two. Chapter 32 it is, and verse 6 and following, we find there the very words in verse 6 of 32. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Quotation that we read in the book of Hebrews. And the Lord said to Moses, Get thee down from for thy people who thou brought... (laughs) who thou brought us out of the land of Egypt. This is the Lord saying, Moses, they're yours. Have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which are commanded that they, and they have made a, a golden calf. They have worshipped it and have sacrificed there too and said, these are thy gods, O Israel. And the whole chapter is given to it. Uh, and they are stiff-necked people. And Moses pled for them, no, don't kill them, take me. Uh, that... And uh, Moses besought the Lord there in verse 11 and repented. And the Lord repented in verse 14 of the evil that he thought to do to this people. They were guilty of idolatry. As already mentioned, 
Is there something that comes between you and the Lord? Idolatry. If you go later into the book of 1 Corinthians 10 and, and read in verse 19, it says this. And you say, it's not possible that the people of God did this. They did do it. He warns us against doing this, being guilty of idolatry. And there in verse 19 of chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, what shall I say then? That the idol is anything, or he that offereth it in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. In fact, you cannot. You can't do this. <laughs> the people of God tried that in the wilderness and committed idolatry. You cannot do this. God will do something if you do do that. Do we set up those idols? No, no, I have no idols in my house. Have we got them in our heart then? What comes, as I said, between you and the Lord? Is it a friend? Is it a family member? Is it money? Is it a house? Is it a car? Is it something that you pay more attention to and give more thought to than God? That is idolatry. That's idolatry. And they were guilty of idolatry. So we see they invoke God's indignation. They are our examples and illuminate our way. They were guilty of infatuation with the world and the things of the world. And these are only the creations of God that is given to, to us to meet our needs. And they're guilty of idolatry. And what is it in the commandments? In Exodus chapter 20, idolatry is mentioned there over and over about putting something before the Lord in the first of the Ten Commandments. They were guilty, fourthly, was it fifthly? Fifthly, they were guilty of immorality. Back in the book of Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 8. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Going back to the book of Numbers, Numbers this time, and chapter 25, and verses 1 and right down through the chapter, but a few of the first of those verses. In Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifice of their gods, and the people did eat and bound down to their gods. They seemed to, this eating and drinking associated with idolatry. But here <coughs> they were committing immorality, as it says, with those of Moab. And Israel joined himself unto Baalapur, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. When God's people <laughs> commit fornication, physical fornication or spiritual fornication, God is not pleased. And we talked about these folk earlier today, didn't we? Moab, where did they come from? Who was there? Lot's daughters. Yes, Lot, one of Lot's daughters. And it was Moab and Ammon. 
And here the, the Jews had come out of Egypt. It was many years, 250 or something years, and they're coming out. And here they met these people. And the men, it seems, went off and picked, committed whoredom, as it says here, with the daughters of Moab. Sexual immorality, uncontrolled passion and lust. And there died in one day, how many people? 23,000. Keep reading the account in Numbers 25. Does the Lord want us to commit this? No, he doesn't. As you look back in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 1 and following there, it is reported commonly in the church at Corinth that there is fornication among you, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. What, what must the Lord think as he looks down at the Western world today? And all the filth in sexual matters that occurs everywhere. Their, their, their mind is constantly thinking evil and wrong. And here in the church it had happened, and we know what happened. Ye are puffed up, and not rather have mourned that ye have that they have, those that have done this deed might be taken away from among you. And Paul pronounced what should happen, and the fellow repented and got right, and they needed to receive him back in once he repented. Chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians and verse 13. <clears throat> 6 and 13 we read, Meat for the belly and the belly for meat, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Down in verse 17. For he that is joined unto, unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And in Galatians it listed in the list of the sins of the flesh that were guilty of immorality. The temptation today is, is everywhere. It's in every media. And they've got much media that they didn't have in times past for these things to happen. So watch out, folks, for this to occur to you. Don't let it happen in your life. They were guilty of immorality because the Lord is not pleased. Our body is for the Lord. It's not for fornication and pleasing oneself. Young people, young men and women, women don't commit this. It will ruin your life and your testimony before you even get started on the, on the road, <clears throat> the road of life. Sixthly, they were guilty of impunity. Verse 9 of chapter 10, it says, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted him, and were destroyed by the serpents. <clears throat> Back in Numbers, we have it in Numbers Chapter 21, the occasion where this, is, this happened, and verses 6 through to 9. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole after they'd been bitten by the, the serpents. Going to pass if a serpent had bitten one man. When he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in Oboth. And the story is before that as well, in the verses prior to that. They <coughs> loathed this light bread. I didn't, well, verse 6. 
verse 5 it is, and our soul loatheth this light bread. Middle East is heavy bread, but the Lord sent light bread for them. What is a bread here in the Old Testament, a picture of in the New Testament? I am... Who said that? What were they saying? We loathe the preaching of the Lord Jesus. We don't like him. We don't want to do with him. That's what they were saying. They didn't know because Christ wasn't being born, but we know, don't we? And how many a church today get rid of the preaching of the cross, get rid of the preaching of Christ, the sacrifice? I don't need someone dying for me. I'm not that bad. <clears throat> they loathe the bread that was from heaven, the Lord Jesus. Go through the I am's of the Gospel of John. And that's impunity. And God sent the serpents amongst them and bit them. Christians today take advantage of the grace of the Lord Jesus. If you turn to the book of Romans, book of Romans, chapter 6, and see what this says about those that presume upon the grace of God and saying what they want, but God is not, won't be mocked. In this, in chapter 6 and verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? Do not despise the Lord. Do not despise his word. Do not despise the light, the bread that he is, and the water that he is. Drink of it from the word of God. God forbid that, <coughs> that we... Presume upon the grace of God and act as they acted in the Old Testament there in the wilderness. If, if we act this way, who were the Lord? Could the Lord lower the hedge to get at us? First Peter five eight says, because he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And uh, he can, the Lord can allow this to happen in our lives. He's the accuser of the brethren. And the enemy's just looking for an opportunity to take advantage of our weaknesses and, um, and, and our misjudgments on the Lord and our walking away from him. The last one is in verse 10. 1 Corinthians 10.10 10. So let us not tempt Christ as some of them tempted him and were destroyed by serpents. And we know who the serpent is. Verse 10, neither... Murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed by the destroyer. On each of these occasions, what do you find? Judgment, judgment, judgment. First, I mean, chapter 12 of Hebrews speaks of the judgment upon Christians that do not walk in the right way. The chastisement that God brings allows to come to get us back on the pathway. So they were guilty of ingratitude. This is in Numbers Numbers chapter 14 and verse 1 and following. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all of the children murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God we had, di had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? 
And wherefore hath the Lord brought us up unto this land to fall by the sword, and our wives and our children should be prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? Go back into the world and live under the system of the world. And they said one to another, Let us make a captain over us and let us return to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly and of the congregation of Israel and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jehaphanath, who were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spoke unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search is a excellent land, exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into the land, give, give us this land. Only, verse 9, don't rebel. Rebel not against the Lord, neither fear the people. Because we live in a day of plenty, because we live in a day of grace, we can presume upon the Lord and we can start grumbling like they grumbled. We can have an ungracious heart, ingratitude. And many of the world's people live with far less <clears throat> just checking it out this this week australia is number 12 on the amount of money the gdp gross domestic product we're 1.7 trillion dollars a year turnover in australia we're number 12 and we've only got 20 what 25 million people there's other countries with multiple more millions that don't have the GDP that we have, therefore everyone is a lot poorer in those countries from the, from the turnover that doesn't happen. We are blessed. But you know, so often it is with people that the more we get, the more we want. And the less we appreciate it. And we don't have gratitude. Shouldn't we be pleased with what God has given us? Shouldn't we be thankful for all the blessings he's bestowed upon us in our life? Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. They were discontent, and the destroyer came in to destroy him. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when it's speaking of the Lord's table there, and some partaking unworthily, some are weak, some are sick, and some are dead. And that's because of an ungracious heart. They didn't have the gratitude. Numbers 26 in the last two verses of that chapter speak of it also. So there are some things. They invoke God's indignation. They are examples to illuminate our way. They were infatuated with the world. They were guilty of idolatry. They were guilty of immorality, of impunity and of ingratitude. What about us? What about us? We live in a luxurious country. Yeah, things don't seem to be going well. You hear of people going to lose their houses. I think when they got into that house, did they buy a million-dollar mansion that all their parents had when they had finished life, they wanted at the start of life, and they overextended themselves, and they're going to lose all that now? You know, they moan and groan. <laughs> It's going to happen, and people will lose. Can you imagine what happens when the tribulation starts? And they're shaking their fist at God. How dare you do this? We've had all these things. Don't take them away from us. Christian, let's have a humble, 
gracious, grateful heart for what the Lord has done for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the example that we've rushed through this evening in few verses that have spoken of in Corinthians. Paul is telling us as Christians to be thankful, not to be like those in the wilderness who died there, but to walk in the pathway that pleases our Lord and our Saviour, to be grateful for all the blessings. And Lord, you are pleased to hear that from your children, a prayer of thankfulness. May we all do that and be that way for your glory and praise. And Lord, you will walk, work through us even more so in the future if we have the right attitude. Bless us now as we consider these things in Jesus' name.